Hello, my name is Helen Tower and I'm starting a new project about loving again after betrayal. Recently, I had an aha moment that I shared in my previous episode. It's about how I don't want to become the toxic person that still comments and lets the pain seep and come out as offenses or judgments or generalizations about a certain group of people because of the pain I endured throughout gaslighting and the affair of my husband with a married co-worker. So it's been stronger and stronger in my mind the thought that love is indeed the ultimate revenge. Now this is a very tacky phrase and I just want to explain to you why it's not about forgiving and forgetting. It's not about sanctification through suffering. It's not about presenting having been betrayed as something glamorous. It's about really understanding betrayal and what it can do to us and what we can do to feel in control and not let the memory control us. We are all exposed to some kind of suffering throughout our lives. Even when we are fortunate to belong in a so-called privileged group that has been established in our larger community. Different cultures have their own way of sorting their human members into categories. Regardless of allocated labels, there are always members in those classes who are happier than others. Some seem so resilient as they face unthinkable atrocities imposed upon them by other fellow humans or by severe natural disasters. One of the best publicly documented atrocities ever committed by humans is the massive killings of mostly Jews during World War II. Amongst Holocaust survivors, some thrived in spite of what they had endured. Esther Perel, a descendant of two survivors who lost their entire family in the concentration camps, has studied what made some enjoy life beyond mainly surviving. Surprisingly, the way in which our minds and bodies process trauma is less dependent on the degree of the atrocity than we might intuitively imagine. The way in which a person experiences threats to their well-being varies, but the consequences of very diverse attacks follow similar physiological patterns. PTSD, post-trauma syndrome disorder, is the same if you experienced war or you were merely, in quotes, betrayed by a loved one. Suffering cannot be classified into degrees. We all experience life low punches in a different way and we should give ourselves permission to grieve in whatever way we see fit. The fact that your ancestors faced genocidal forces doesn't take away the right for you to suffer because your cousin flirted with your fiancé and they decided to have an affair. Your pain is yours 
and it is as worthy of belonging into the universe of pain as any other kind of predicament. Dr. Lori Nadell is a reporter later be, uh, trained as a psychotherapist who used to be sent to cover natural disasters all over the world while she was a TV news reporter in her youth. After her first child was born, she started to look at victims as more than just numbers, but rather someone's child. So she started shifting her interest and her training, and she started working with the victims of disasters. Later in life, she became a victim of Hurricane Sandy. She wrote a book called The Five Gifts to answer how survivors of traumatic experiences could recover and heal after such natural or man-made violence. And she came up with the five gifts, which are humility, patience, empathy long-term, forgiveness, and growth. In humility, we change the question, why me, to why not me? Because as she recalls Buddha phrase, to be human is to suffer. Every day there is suffering somewhere in the world. Someone is suffering. And at some point it will be our turn. We might live a long, privileged life. But at some point we will have to face some sort of suffering. And there is nothing wrong with you allowing your pain to invade your whole being regardless of the type of attack or traumatic experience you have faced. What do you do when the outcome is not aligned with your previous effort? We don't have control over all the variables that determine the outcome in our lives. There is death, ailment, war, financial crises, pandemics, and natural disasters to remind us of our own limited power to manage the way our lives will turn out to be. We all need to feel acknowledged and we are born into a system of rewards. We are trained to follow a set of instructions and get a diploma after completion. The diploma changes shape and form from the stars in preschool to the promotions in the ladder of our workplace. There are also the silent diplomas that sit like landmarks in our subconscious mind. Finding a suitable spouse, getting a dream job, looking a certain way, wearing certain brands, behaving according to rules of etiquette, and so on. I've always been fascinated by stories, the kind that old people tell about themselves when asked. The kind of tale you hear from an exchange student you meet while you're studying abroad. Everyone has a story. This includes you and me. A story is an articulation of the perception we have or had about something we experienced. At any point in time, there are several events taking place. Many of these go unnoticed. It is the one we place our attention on that can leave a mark forever. Take siblings in the same household, for example. Their memories about events they experienced together are different. Their recounts about big family gatherings might have little resemblance to one another. Apart from this ability to pick what you pay attention to, 
we are exposed to messages that shout at us from colorful promotions around us on our daily commutes or the endless commercials that sponsor the content we consume at home. There are brands and every brand tells a story and the consumer world makes us believe that we can choose our happy ending depending on the type of item we can afford. Even people are brands today and they are all advocating for their ideas as they want followers to buy whatever it is that they choose to monetize. We are born into a community with its own identity. Even if we belong in the mainstream, there is a way to go about this. From a very young age, we all make a choice. We will either blend in or we will stand out. The degrees of standing out vary from the subtle, I will be the best at what I do, to the ultimate form of rebellion, which is to break free and build a completely different identity or brand. I am not a brand, that's for sure. I can sell my services as an educator because that is what's feasible at this point in time. What I've learned is that life happens and it changes us. We take decisions every single day. Some people decide to repeat the way in which they deal with their daily challenges and others stop to assess their strategy. If your life has felt chaotic, it probably means that you have faced many challenges. The fact that you can stay still as you listen to this podcast means you have done great. You're still here with us in this universe of the living. On the other hand, if you feel your life's being stale, then now it's the time to start moving. You're not a plant, they say. Even plants move. They can grow in a particular direction that best suits their survival. You can do that too. There is no one way to embrace the wholeness of being human. We all live in different places and we come from different seeds. Those were the seeds that endured the challenges around them. And they grew into a plant that is us. Some of us descend from migrants who moved in search of a better life. The meaning of having a better life depends on what you run away from. It ranges from simple surviving conditions to habitats where we can express our creativity. This summary comes from a place of privilege. This summary, it is an attempt to share the learnings from my adult life, from my late teens to my almost mid-50s. 35 years of personal growth that encompass not only understanding the mind, but also the physiology that we are not taught at school and the connection with the invisible forces that are expressed and measured as frequencies. The famous Body, Mind, Spirit trilogy that has also been branded and trending much in the last 20 years. There was no migration, fleeing war or famine. I have been fortunate enough to be able to flow and dance to the rhythms life has thrown at me. I hope you'll find some missing pieces to your own puzzle of love and life. What happens after happily ever after? 
Too many stories were told of a victim princess with a mean stepmother and an absent father who waited obediently until she eventually fell prey of wickedness. And a prince then would appear with a magic ability to awaken her with a kiss. They lived happily ever after, after they found each other. This is what many young women feel still today, the day they marry. It doesn't come with instructions. No one is taught how to navigate the storms of life. All we know is what we see in our own home or through stories told, written or performed on stage or screen. Yet we don't grasp that the possibilities are real for us too. An early death, infertility, infidelity, unemployment and natural disasters are just some of the items on the menu of life. We will not experience them all, certainly not at once. Some live unharmed until much late in life. The reality is that one day you will be harmed and in pain you will be. What to do? How to act? Is there a way to react? Although subtle messages, our own vision of how life would be can be turned upside down in a flash, sometimes even not so fast. There are cases of slow damaging the basis of your home, of your life. You built something with a partner or without and the certainty can suddenly or calmly be removed. What to do? Here's my recipe for you. Love you first thing in the morning. Love you last thing every night. You deserve to be protected from fear, anger or despair. There's a child in you who suffered, perhaps even as was pampered by a loving daddy or mommy who was doing just their best. We all carry fears and blockages from ancestors long gone that not even mom or dad knew their secrets or forgot. The 50s are the new 30s and we must bring the joy of just being like those who are 70. In the curve of happiness, we must quickly learn to get to the end of the bottom of the U, the time when joy only increases as time passes by. Accept the old looking body you see in the mirror and feel blessed for all the ways in which it functions perfectly even after so many years. That heart hasn't failed you a single time since you were conceived or you wouldn't be listening to this. Rejoice. You are alive. Much love, Helen. <laughs>